but now, and, and I, and I'm the first to admit that, that, you know, what, maybe I was wrong and, and that's okay because I had that very strict mindset that these are the things you have to do in order to, you know, stay within the boundaries of the law. The future of dentistry belongs to the innovators. Welcome to Innovation in Dentistry. I'm your host, Sean Zayas, and I believe that the future of dentistry is going to be unbelievably great over the next decade and two decades, but the question isn't that. The question is, are you going to be part of what makes dentistry great? Okay, so I could not be more excited today to be with Rebecca Clark. Uh, Rebecca, before I set you up, let me just say thank you so much for letting me interview you today. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Okay. So, Becca, um, sorry. Andrew Can I call you Becca? <laughs> did it just freeze? Yeah. So t what did you what did you hear? Do you do you do bloopers? This would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but the no, the problem with the bloopers is that uh we this isn't record it doesn't record an issue. So if oh. if you're watching it back, you won't know why we pause. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I heard everything. Um we're so glad you'd be here. You're here. And I was like, I'm glad to be here. And then you Okay, cool. Okay, okay. So, so yeah. that, I'll just jump in after that. <laughs> okay. Wait, can I call you Becca? That's fine. Yep. All okay. my friends call me Becca. Okay. So Becca, innovation in dentistry can mean so many different things, right? There's technological innovation, there's clinical innovation. And uh, I believe what you've actually done is probably what more on the clinical side. I am very clinical. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> but before you get either a technological innovation or a clinical innovation, you get some crazy person that has a mindset or belief set that says, why not me? Why can't I pioneer positive change because they see a problem or they see value that they can bring. And that's exactly what you've done. Uh, you are a registered dental hygienist. Yay. I love, uh, love me some hygienists, but you're not just a hygienist. You decided to do more than that. Uh, tell me a little bit about your story in dentistry. So to go back, um, I always knew that I wanted to be in healthcare since I was 11 years old. And I tried all these things. I was, my, my brain was just, you know, what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? Do I want to be in medicine? Do I want to be a nurse? Do I want to be a firefighter? You know, as you're going, I'm going through this process. Dentistry actually was recommended to me. I was a medic in the army and I got out and started taking my prereqs for nursing school. And my mom, I was just having a really hard time. <clears throat> and my mom is actually the one who's like, Hey, why don't you go into dentistry? And I was like, Ew, I don't want to look in people's mouths. That's disgusting. Why do I want to do that? So what I ended up doing, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try it. Maybe it's just different. And so I went to dental assisting school in 2008. I graduated in 2009. And I was really good at what I did, but it wasn't for me. And so then I decided to apply for hygiene school. And it took years to get into hygiene school. And I had to take my prereqs. And I failed classes and I had to retake my classes. And I applied for hygiene school three to four years in a row and I never got in. And 
when I was working in a periodontal office in downtown Seattle, a really good girlfriend of mine who was a hygienist at the time, um, she's like, why don't you just reapply? Just try again at a new school. It just opened up right here in uh, downtown Seattle. Um, in Seattle, it's uh, Pima Medical Institute, and it's an accelerated hygiene program. And I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. <clears throat> so I did, and I was on the wait list. And I was waitlisted, and it was the day before classes started, I found out that I got in, and I had already quit my job. And I was a single mom. And I was laying on the couch in the back and I found out I got in. And um, so, yeah, that's a whole <laughs> completely different. It's been a, a whirlwind. Uh, and then I, so I went to hygiene school in 2013. I graduated in 2015. And then that's how I started in hygiene. So you were a medic in the I was, army? Yes. And before that, I did four years in the Navy. <laughs> it's a diesel mechanic. How's a flat deck troubleshooter? <laughs> What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's normally like a prerequisite for hygiene is that yeah. mm -hmm. you need yeah. to do something in the Navy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I, I see problems and I, uh, ever since I was a little kid, I, my parents would get so mad. I'd be in my room at six, seven years old, tearing apart my radios, figuring out why they, how they worked, but I couldn't put them back together. So. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> that's how it works. It doesn't work anymore. Here you go. So why, why, why hygiene? You know, like, so, you know, you, you mess around a little bit in this Navy and then all of a sudden again, medic. So one is non bio biological, right? Non, mm -hmm. non clinical. And then the medic one is very, you know, like biological and clinical, mm -hmm. but you didn't want to just be a, a nurse or a doctor, you know? No. So why hygiene? My mom recommended that I go into dentistry. I tried it. Dental assisting wasn't for me. I uh, went to hygiene school because I was a single mom. And honestly, the the revenue was there. And the military would have paid for it. And so I went into hygiene to, so I can pay my bills, so I can have a better life for my daughter. There wasn't any specific reason why. But I even going into hygiene school, I knew that wasn't my end. I knew that that was my stepping stone. Do I love hygiene? I love my patients. I love taking care of people. Was Is hygiene, dental hygiene, my purpose? No. Once I got into it, I really enjoyed it, but my mind was so much bigger than than what I was doing, and it was it's very repetitive. And even my my girlfriend was like, hygiene's really repetitive. And she knew that that's not who I was. But I'm glad that I did it because it has brought me to where I am today. And this is what I should be doing. And this is my purpose. Hygiene was never my purpose. It was just always my stepping stone. Okay. So we're about to get into what this purpose is. But okay. before that, um, I'm not a guy that wears hats. That's just typically not what I do. Um but I'm just setting myself up. If I was wearing one right now, I would take it off because being uh, a single mom, I think is probably one of the hardest things in the world. Being a mom in general is a hard thing. Um, so I just want to take a moment and honor you because, um, man, it just takes resilience. It's, um, it's a beautiful thing and it's also a challenging thing. So like, thank you for just being an awesome mom and, uh, thank giving you. your child everything. Um, and even just being willing to go into hygiene as a single parent, like that's, mm -hmm. that's crazy. It was brutal. It was an accelerated program. So we did two years of, we did 
two years of dental hygiene school, the curriculum, that's usually four years, we did it in two. So it was go, 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 go. My seven, my first semester was seven classes and then six classes. And then we just, it was, by the time it was done, I'm so glad that it was done. But I'm, I'm better, I'm a, definitely a better person for it. And in hygiene school, I met my husband and um, yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> okay, so Becca, here we are. You are a hygienist mm -hmm. and you know this isn't everything, but it's at least allows you to get a foundation for um, whatever's going to be next in life. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're doing hygiene. What happens that all of a sudden allows you to start seeing, ooh, this could be the next thing for me? Uh, take us to that part of the story. So when I'm working hygiene, and we lived out in a little town, Oak Harbor, up here in Washington State. It was a military town. And I was working with other dentists and I'd always find these research studies. It's like, there's gotta be more to hygiene than what I was doing. And there's more to dentistry than what I was doing. And I got bored really fast. And um, I loved the patient care, but I was just, I was burnt out. <clears throat> and so I'd give always give these studies to these dentists. Hey, let's do this. Let's do laser. Let's do the, the periscopy. Let's all of these things. And it was just, it doesn't go anywhere. So I ended up um, going out to another office that was off the island and it was a sleep dental office. And I learned a lot there and I started um, learning a lot about, you know, people with sleep apnea, why we have sleep apnea, um, looking at the causation. And so my wheels started turning, okay, well, maybe, maybe this is for me. Maybe this is my purpose. And so the deeper that I got into sleep apnea, upper airway resistance syndrome, the underdevelopment of the jaws, uh, lingual tongue ties, restricted frontums. I took a deeper dive into oral facial myofunctional therapy. And it was in there that I was like, oh, okay. So medicine in general, um, in my opinion, Western medicine, we really focus, we don't look at the causes. Why, why are we here in the first place? Why are they diagnosing babies, newborn babies with sleep apnea? And so I took a deeper dive into orofacial myofunctional therapy in 2017. And I learned this whole process on how it works and why we are the way we, we are and these adults with TMJ and why we have these problems. I always asked why. And so that's where I picked up orofacial myofunctional therapy and, and working with a, a dentist. And I learned so much about airway. Um, and that kind of put me into a different mindset and treating my patients completely differently and, and holistically from, from a, a, a different point of view. So you love learning. I, um, I, I love that you identified that you're like, Hey, I just got bored. Like I, I can't just keep doing the same repetition. Mm -hmm. And the practice you're with was like, oh, we don't really, I don't know, appreciate <laughs> your curiosity. And mm. you found another place that allowed you to be you and look at journals and, and studies and start really connecting dots. Uh, that's amazing. Now, you started your own company since then. What was that period like where you realized this isn't something I just want to do. Uh, as a hygienist, 
in a practice, but I think there's actually something on my own independent of the practice, because I'm guessing, right, there's no affiliation between the practice you work at and your company, correct? No. So I, uh, I actually had my last clinical hygiene day last week. So when I first started in the myofunctional therapy journey, oral facial myofunctional therapy, they're all intertwined together. I was working with children and teens in growth guidance and airway development, and I did hybrid. I was working, I, I didn't do it in the dental office. My biggest thing is that I always felt like I was, <clears throat> I was hitting a wall and I, I, there was no growth and it didn't matter how many studies I was throwing out. It wasn't my business. It wasn't my, um, it wasn't my, for me to, to grow, to expand, to do what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it. And I loved the doctors, all the doctors that I worked for, but I wanted more creative control. And so I initially did hybrid. I would go into people's homes and go online. And I launched my original business was, um, I don't remember the name of it now, uh, Advanced Mayo. I think it was Advanced Mayo. Um, I launched that original business in 2017. And then in 2019, I myself, because I saw the problems of airway and, and growth guidance and things like that in myself as an adult in my 30s. And so I, we ended up moving from Oak Harbor. I went, put myself back into braces. I, uh, I've had, you know, eight teeth removed. I put myself through my functional therapy and then going into ortho, the orthodontist wouldn't put me into braces because I needed to have jaw surgery. Mm. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that I had all of these, these things going on. So we ended up moving from Oak Harbor down in here to Marysville, around an hour north of Seattle now. And I closed down my business. And I was like, I can't do the move plus jaw surgery and maintain a hybrid business or even do it online. Where am I going? What am I doing? What is going on? Because I got into myofunctional therapy. And while I enjoyed it, it was again repetitive. I was bored. <laughs> and so, so it's like, where am I going? What is my purpose? This is not my purpose. Dental hygiene, I started that. That's not my purpose. Myofunctional therapy, okay, that's not my purpose. Where am I supposed to be? So after I had jaw surgery in 2019, I started to um, think, well, I was swollen for a long time. Well, who can I go see to help me with lymphatic drainage, to help with my swelling, to help? I couldn't even do the exercises that I used to be able to do. And so I was thinking, and it's like, okay, what's going on? And then I started questioning, well, why is it that we send people be pre and post-surgical, pre-surgical to a physical therapist for exercise therapy, for everything, even heart surgery? You have to make sure that your heart healthy enough. Um, you know, if you're having a knee replacement or a knee surgery, you have to go to physical therapy first, but why aren't we doing this for the face? So I did it on myself, but then who else are we missing? I knew about myofunctional therapy. I put myself through it, but what about the people who don't know about it? Because I can't do the exercises that I used to be able to do, but what about people who can't do these exercises at all? And so I went back to school for massage therapy and that's a whole process in itself. My husband, and I, I was thinking about, you know, I just, I want to go do tongue tie releases. I want to, you know, be a dentist. I want to be a doctor. I want to be an osteopath. I want to be a physical therapist. And we were brainstorming all of these things because I didn't know, I didn't know my purpose and I was trying to find it. And 
my husband said, and I love my husband and he grounds me and he's the reason why we're not poor. Um, he said, if you can pay for it out of pocket, cause we had just paid off, we had just paid off all my student loans. We paid off all the bills and you can pay for it out of pocket. Then you can go to school because we were getting ready to uproot the entire family to go to dental school in Texas. And, and he was like, Nope, if, if, if you, if we can't, you can't afford it. If you can, you can, if you can pay for it out of pocket, you can go. And so I was like, okay. So I was talking to my chiropractic friends, my physical therapy friends, just go to massage therapy school. I'm like, okay. So going to massage therapy school and, and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I went to massage therapy school because I wanted to expand upon the education that I had as a myofunctional therapist and as a dental hygienist, but I wanted to treat people on my own without being um, in a dental office. So I had creative control. And so I did that and I launched my practice last year in May and I had no idea no idea that I would be where I'm at today. I had one very focused area and I'm not even doing that anymore because the people started to find me and the people that started to find me were in a similar, if not a worse situation than I was in after jaw surgery. Hmm. Okay. Sorry. You just left me That's with okay. like <laughs> so, That's a lot. so much there. <laughs> I mean, I was like, aside from the fact that you're saying, um, that you get bored easy, there was something else that you were, you kept saying and I picked up on, and then I don't know why it's like not there now. Um, but I love how tuned in you are mm -hmm. to, to you, like you, this whole time, it almost reminded me as weird as it sounds of, um, I think it's the Dick Eastman book. Are you my mother? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Have you ever read that? Yes. It's like the kid's book. And the whole idea, are you my mother? Are you my mother? It was more of like the whole, like, is this my purpose? Is this mm -hmm. my purpose? This is this my, like you were in pursuit knowing I need to find my, my purpose in life. I need to find my, my purpose. Oh no. Also the fact that you, you ask why I love that. Why, why does this work? Or, or why, why is it that? Um, so I just sense there's just such a, such a curiosity, such a searching in you. Um, which I can tell is why you've taken this unorthodox path. And I think that's a great way to say it. it's so non-conventional. And I think what you've discovered is that why is it that all these different pieces are disjoint? Um, my mother-in-law is a speech pathologist and she'll talk about certain airway issues. And then there's the, you know, strictly medical side that has some, some insight about airway. And then there's the dental side that's now talking about airway. And the more I learn about sleep apnea, the more I learn, man, this is like a silent killer. Like this is a big deal. And just last night I slept with like a, a nasal strip, uh, and something else because I took a sleep test two years ago and discovered I have a mild case of sleep apnea and Becca, I am a chronically tired, like mm -hmm. all the time. You can't tell <laughs> when I'm doing an interview because I'm just excited, especially when I'm talking to someone as like interesting as you, Becca. But I have five kids and there's just times in the day when I feel like I could just fall asleep like all the time, just driving like a road trip when it's not stimulating. I can't move morning i'll fall asleep midday like any time of day if i'm doing a road trip i'm like exhausted and tired and almost fall asleep so this is a big deal like i don't have any of the 
um, the facial reconstruction or the the jaw stuff like that. That sounds intense. But when it comes to airway, I care about this a lot too now. Like I don't even know what to do. <laughs> um, I love that people have been finding you. So so what what have you been doing? What's the transformation that you're able to be providing for for people? So what I do in my practice. So if somebody has to go through jaw surgery because they have sleep apnea, we're moving your jaws forward. So I, there's a myofunctional therapy component before that and prehabituation, getting the muscles into proper position before we go through surgery. So after surgery, we're going into muscle memory. Um, so we go through myofunctional therapy and then directly post-surgical, if you talk to any physical therapist, that patient that just had surgery is right back into that physical therapist or that massage therapist to do lymphatic drainage. We need the, the fluids and, and the lymph buildup, which helps us heal or white blood cells. We swell. And so we can't move if we're swollen. So, mm. so immediately post-surgery, <clears throat> we're doing lymphatic drainage on the face and intraoral, oral facial complex. And then we wait for the healing process. With the lymphatic drainage, we're also reducing post-surgical neuropathy. We're reducing scar tissue. We are helping with the healing process, not only just with swelling, but we're getting them to move again. And then we wait for that healing process to do any heavy lifting, like intraoral massage. We help with trismus. Trismus is big, lock jaw. So we help with that process. And then six to eight weeks, we start getting into the heavy duty again. Let's do a lot more exercises, muscle strengthening, breaking back into muscle memory where we were before, and then going you from there. And that's just for sleep apnea or jaw surgery. The When I launched the practice, I started having patients come in who have had uh, oral cancer. So part of their tongue removed. And they've gone to see their speech and language pathologist and they felt that the speech and language pathology was ineffective. Well, because their tongue is physically restricted to the floor of their mouth, not via tongue tie, but via scar tissue, people have their tongue replaced with other muscles of their body, or they just have parts of their tongue removed or even so their, their entire tongue removed. So they come and see me. It's been years. Cause I mean, we're a new practice and we're just trying to develop our protocols and, finding out what works and what doesn't, but I'm going in underneath the tongue. I'm lifting it up with scar tissue, scar tissue, softening, I'm doing the lymphatic drainage. If, if they've had lymph damaged lymph nodes, lymphedema therapy for the intraoral oral facial complex. So they can at least not have to use a spoon at the roof of their mouth anymore. So they can actually use their tongue. And then when, when we get done releasing that scar tissue and getting them through and getting their tissues and their muscles and they can smile again and things are a little bit more even, then we're sending them back to their speech and language pathologist. Uh, or even having, we're getting ready to have a speech and language pathologist come on board. So that's a big part. But then there's you know, oral facial, there's facial reconstructive surgeries, people who got in an accident, people who have had a stroke, people who have had Bell's palsy, trigeminal neuralgia, there's a huge population that that we're missing when it comes to orofacial myofunctional therapy. Myofunctional therapy is originally designed for growth guidance and airway, but there's a huge rehabilitative component that we're missing, and that's what I do. So are you doing this as a physical therapist then? No, I'm a massage therapist. So uh, so physical therapy, I love my physical therapists. I can't, there's a couple of things that I can't do. I can't diagnose. I can't use the TENS units. 
I can't do a joint manipulation, but I can do massage therapy, lymphatic drainage, lymphedema therapy. I get referrals from physical therapists because nobody, physical therapists aren't even trained to look at the tongue. They do some tongue exercise therapy when it comes to the TMJ, but everything forward of the TMJ is in my experience and my knowledge is completely ignored. So you're not doing any sort of hygiene in this practice? No, in, in my, in my practice itself. No, I'm not doing any hygiene. It's my hygiene background and my TMJ knowledge. We are, uh, I'm, I am working with a couple of hygienists here. I am a treasurer of the ADHP, which is the Alliance of Dental Hygiene Practitioners. And they go in home. They go into convalescent and palliative care centers. So my goal is to be able to use more of my hygiene licensure and use my hygiene and my massage therapy licensure to go in homes with help with soft tissue management, red light therapy, photobiomodulation, helping people through that process if they have chemotherapy, doing the lymphatic drainage so they have a better support system when, it, when, they, um, when they go through surgery. Okay. So Becca, I don't know. Let, let's see. Let's see if we can. Uh... It's a lot. I know it's a lot. <laughs> well, so I just want to have a little bit of fun here. So yeah. what happens when, is Becca going to get bored of this? Um, no, because it's always ever changing and there's so many different components. However, I am going back to school because I love learning. <laughs> I am going back to school next year. I'm going to go uh, to school to be a master esthetician and because I can specialize in oncology aesthetics. And so what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm branching, I'm branching wide. So I've got my oncology and my dental hygiene. I've got my oncology and my massage therapy. And then I'm going to have my, my oncology in, uh, in um, uh, aesthetics. So people who have had scar tissue, full facial reconstructive, they're disfigured. Uh, hire on an esthetician to do permanent makeup um, and skincare when it comes to that. Am I going to get bored? No, because it's my own and I have complete creative control. And I love it. I do, but that's a good question. And, and I, my husband asks me that all the time. Well, well, but, but even this, so it's not so much about, is it going to look like this? Like mm -hmm. you said, you have the freedom mm -hmm. and creative control and autonomy to just go where your uh, interest takes you. Absolutely. So, so it's, it's less about, is it going to look like this in 10 years? Probably not because no. the pace at which you move, the pace at which you you learn, uh, you connect the dots, you position yourself in the marketplace. It is so fast, Becca. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I am in awe. So, okay, during any of these transitions or any of these moves, what is your mindset in the midst of this? Are you like, uh, oh, okay, what, what if it doesn't work? Or what if this is the wrong move for me? Or, oh, wow, it's scary. I'm starting my own oh, thing. Oh, it scares me all the time. I have self-doubt all the time. Is this really going to work? Is this really happening? It, what, if this doesn't work, what else is going to work? My, right now, my thought process to other people is theory. I'm working with the National Network of Healthcare Hygienists. We're trying to get on board to do a pilot study here in Washington state. So I can start going into the hospitals and start getting on paper. This is what works. This is what happens. Oh, there's self-doubt all the time. Every day, I think, is this really going to work? What am I doing? Is this going to work? The last thing that I want to do, I have really, I get really bad imposter syndrome. And I think it's because I'm such a perfectionist. 
that uh, there's, oh yeah, absolutely, all the time, self-doubt. But I just keep going because something's, something at some point in time, you keep hammering the wall, the wall's going to fall. I'm just, I'm, we're just waiting for, I, I know it works. I know it works. The studies have shown that it works, but every day I have a lot, I have self-doubt, but I just keep going because I know that something's got to give. Um, <laughs> I, so over the last decade, what would be one mindset that you feel like you have either learned or a mindset you had to shed um, in order for you to be where you're at today? That's a big question. What my mindset? I, I don't, I'm trying to lower my expectations on how things are going to, or the way that things are going to be. My mindset is this, this has to work. This is going to work. And, and this is the way that it is. I guess that would be the, the shift is that this is the way that it is. This is the way that it has to be because this is what's in my mind and, and this, you know, it, it, that's got to work. But I, I've kind of relaxed that a little bit over the, now that I'm in my forties, <laughs> kind, of kind of, you know, you are so youthful <laughs> in all the, the energy that you release. Like sometimes I'm like, man, is she like 27? <laughs> like no, um, I, I, I relaxed that to the point where it's like, you know, it's, it's not black and white. There's a lot of gray. And when I first started this process and there were other hygienists learning intraoral techniques and things like that. And my mindset was like, you have to go to massage therapy school. You can't do that. It's not in your scope of practice, but now, and, and I, and I'm the first to admit that, that, you know what, maybe I was wrong. And, and that's okay because I had that very strict mindset that these are the things you have to do in order to, you know, stay within the boundaries of the law. And I know I'm kind of all over the place right now, but, um, but now it's, I'm learning neuromuscular dentistry and airway and is TMJ medicine or is it dental? Is it both? It's controversial. It's who's, who's really doing the airway, who's doing what, and I'm finding that hygienists are in a perfect position to be able to provide not massage therapy, but in order to, to be able to provide a neuromuscular reeducation, manual manipulation techniques intraorally in the mouth, especially if it's just for your patients who can't open up very wide in the dental chair. And why aren't we doing it? Why don't we have that more defined into our scope of practice? We're the only providers in the world, dentistry is, that can go in intraoral that's already tied into our scope of practice. Physical therapists, it's not. Massage therapists, it's not. We have to go get endorsements and prescriptions in order to have these done in other states. And there's only seven states in the in the United States that allow that massage therapist to go intraoral because you're going into the body cavity. Mm. So dentistry not just hygienists, but dentistry is in a perfect position to have their own oral facial recovery departments. Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we expanding the scope of practice of dentists and dental hygienists to do palliative and rehabilitative care for the oral facial complex? You've got dentists now that are doing PRF for the face. They're uh, Bose 
Botox, it's all cosmetic. And so why, why are these people coming back into these dental clinics and having their hygienists walk them through this process or the hygienists going in homes and helping them through this process? They were at a perfect position to do intraoral manipulation. Nurses do lymphatic drainage. That's the goal of the National Network of Healthcare Hygienists is that we are the nurses of, of dentistry. That's what we, we, we have. We have to, it's the same prerequisites to get into hygiene school as it is in a nursing school. The only difference is, is we focus here. So why aren't we doing more? There aren't enough hygienists, I'm sorry, massage therapists, physical therapists doing lymphatic drainage here, or even looking at the, the muscles of the face for rehabilitation. And so dentistry is in a prime position to be able to launch these things. And that's now my goal and my purpose. <laughs> So, so, so Becca, you're the practitioner that's pioneering, but you're also now becoming an educator, right? Like, aren't you also sharing this message from the stage, hopefully letting people know why everything you just said, like, this is a message that needs to get out. There. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I started working with uh, the dental speaker Institute and Vanessa Emerson. She's phenomenal. And to kind of hide, to tune in what it is that I'm trying to do. And and, and honestly, when I first started this, I was like, this is mine. I don't want anybody else to take this. But then in a scarcity mindset, and that's a whole completely different story, but a scarcity mindset, this is mine. I'm developing this. And then the more I got into it, I was like, you know what? More people need help and I can't do this on my own. And so that was very humbling, very humbling. I've, I've grown a lot to, to admit that. But um, now to think in an, in an abundance mindset. Um, and to share this with more people, because I can't, I can't do it on my own and there's not, and I can't do everything. So yeah. So speaking, I do, uh, I'm starting to pick up a lot of speaking things like uh, about what it is that I do, the need for, for these, this care. I'm on a bunch of head and neck cancer groups on Facebook and, and I just read what these patients are going through. It's like, well, you could try this, you could try this. There's so many different avenues that we're missing in this piece of healthcare. Um, I just uh, launched the Institute of Oral Facial Recovery to help train hygienists to be able to launch this in dental practices uh, and teach other massage therapists that they can elevate their practice and just specialize in this. And, and also working as a collaborative team, hiring on a dental hygienist myofunctional therapist who's in private practice to hire on a massage therapist or a physical therapist, to hire on a speech and language pathologist, hire on an esthetician have your your team come together and and see what we can do collectively to help these patients go through this process if anything just to be a big support support these patients through this through this process so it sounds like you're also a consultant that can help train practices yes so i because i'm, I'm still in the developmental part of, of i'm still we're always going to be in developmental part um, yes. Yeah, so I want to be able to go into dental offices and train uh, and train up the hygienists who are also myofunctional therapists to do what it is that I do within their scope of practice. Uh, they can't do everything, but they, because it, it still is a very gray area. Um, but yes, train hygienists, dentists to do what I do, consult with them how to um, elevate their practice a little bit deeper, to go deeper into dentistry, into oral facial rehabilitation. Um, I've got the, the school, the platform, um, it's just getting the information out there the best, the best possible way that I could. So Becca, the reason I started this podcast 
is because I want listeners in dentistry that are hearing between the lines of what we're saying and they're thinking about their dream or, or their passion or the problem that they keep seeing that no one else is addressing. And I want stories like yours to be able to inspire them to get up and just step out, to step up. Because when you did that, you had no idea just as you were in motion mm -hmm. that at some point <laughs> you would end up where you're at today. You couldn't have forecasted that. You no. couldn't have predicted it. You couldn't have strategically tried to, you know, get here out of, out of some blueprint. It's just through seeking, through being in the game and being open to go where you're feeling led. And in your case, it's with that, that passion, that, that intrigue, that curiosity. And I'm so thankful that you did and that you have been, because I'm sure along the way there's been obstacles and there's been challenges. And like you said, darn that imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. You belong, you belong on stages. Your message is meant to go and, and spread. Like, I even feel like there's a book in you about all this. And maybe, maybe it's in five or 10 years, right? Maybe it's a reflective book looking at the journey. So maybe it's not yet, but it's like, I'm so thankful that you've continued to just honor that struggle and overcome because dentistry is better because of it. And that's my whole contention and belief with everyone in dentistry, like dentistry is going to be great, but I want everyone to step up into the role that only they can. And no one else can be Becca Clark. I mean, <laughs> I don't want anybody else. It would to be, be exhausting <laughs> trying very, to, right? It is. <laughs> I do get well, asked that question. How do you have the energy? And I was like, you know what? It's, I see it in my patients. I see it in my patients. I, I see it in other hygienists who are interested in doing what even questioning what it is that I do. And that keeps me going. It, it's changing the the mindset, changing and, and humbling me and, and just trying to make a difference before I, I die. I love, <laughs> I love the humility of in order for me to make the impact I'm going to make that I need to make, I can't do it alone. No. And I absolutely love that humility. And I, and that's what I love about you sharing on stages and on podcasts like this because you don't know who's listening that could be like oh my gosh this is this is probably what you know i have a piece of this puzzle and a contribution and now all of a sudden the message and the movement that you're starting can continue to even move forward with greater with greater impact um i'm so curious like if the next five years of your life uh, was a chapter in a book, what would that chapter be called? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Um, in the next five years of my life, my goal is just to build, build, expand, educate. Uh, what would that chapter be called? Uh, there's an easier way to do this. <laughs> um, but, but is there really, like, don't you have to, you have to go through the not knowing you have to go through the struggle. You have to go through the falling down because yeah. that's where you, you develop like all the real lessons you've learned in life have come because you've been in the game trying, you've been endeavoring towards some pursuit of something greater than yourself. 
And that's where the real learning takes place. It's messy. Yeah. But it's absolutely necessary. Maybe, maybe, I, you know, I like that. I like that. My, my, the chapter of my book would be called It's Messy. <laughs> that's actually really good. <laughs> well, there, there you go. See, we need each other. We need each other. <laughs> so if I'm listening right now and I'm like, okay, I want to find out more information. I want to be part of what she's doing, or I want to hire her to speak, or I want to find out where I can go because I want her to be the practitioner that helps me out. Where do you want people's eyeballs to go right now? So they can go on to um, the, um, I have, they just launched the website. It's oral facial recovery, www.oralfacialrecovery.com. Um, that's my Institute of Oral Facial Recovery website. They can also go into my own business. Uh, it's Alamedin. So it's, it's Allied Medical Dental, connecting Allied Medical Dental providers. <clears throat> um, www.allimeden.com. Um, and they can go that way. So I have my speaker packet on both uh, websites, but the majority of the things that I put out just to not confuse my patients will be through the Institute of Oral Facial Recovery. You know, I'm just feeling like even now, what if you could wave your magic wand and get that support or help that would help take what you're doing to the next level? What does that look like? Because who knows who's listening? I'm just saying, is that like a, is that a virtual assistant? Is that another person that's also a hygienist that's, um, I don't know, just another practitioner, like what would help take what you're doing to the next level? You know, honestly, because it's so new right now, it, it wouldn't. Yes. I mean, an SLP, I'd love to have an SLP on board. I don't have the space for it. We will be moving out of downtown Seattle on 25, a little bit further north. So it's easier for patients to get to. Um, the goal is to hire on a speech and language pathologist and a couple of other providers but what would take it the next level honestly because there's not a lot of education and case studies i would love um, to be able to do research and connect with somebody to get into fred hutch right here in seattle or get into UW and do a pilot study and work with these patients getting the studies out there, getting the information out there. This is what works. Red light therapy, photobiomodulation works with oral mucositis. And this is how hygienists, bringing on another hygienist for sure to help with this, with the the, the tissue management, bringing on more my massage therapists. And it's just, we're so new. So I'm just building the need. I'm I know the need is there, but getting the information yes. out there. So I'm in an information blasting stage right now. This is what needs to be done, but there needs to be studies because we like evidence-based research and education. <clears throat> so if anything could launch anything, it would just be getting the word out there, getting, let, let me get into these pilot studies. Let, let's start, you know, looking at this at a little bit of a deeper level. And so people have a, a provider's all providers have a better understanding of what of, of the change that we're trying to make and what we're trying to do to help a, a greater population. I I just love your mission. Like really, it is so inspiring. Uh, okay, so so here it is, Becca. You said no. I'm not going to mention you, you your age because you said something about it. But in case I get it wrong, it's just not good. So. Becca of today is walking down the street and in the future, or sorry, in, in front of you, you see 
18-year-old Becca, and you know you just have one moment to communicate a sentiment to her, what do you share with her? You're going to make me cry. <laughs> At 18, I was, on the, I was in the middle of the ocean on a nuclear aircraft carrier. <laughs> um, if I saw myself, 18-year-old Becca, walking down the street, I would... I'm going to try not to get emotional. <clears throat> you, you can get emotional. You have freedom to be you. We like you. I would tell her not to give up. That there, that it gets better. There's a, <clears throat> don't, don't give up on what it is that you think that, that you're supposed to be doing with your life. Uh, just, just keep going, keep that drive, keep the ambition to, to not change things, but make things better. Um, just you know, just, just keep going, have a, have a positive mindset and, and know that, that, you know, we only really truly make it in our forties. <laughs> Nobody takes you seriously until then. Anyway, <laughs> maybe 35. <laughs> Hang on for 22 years. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I guess it's, it's learn as much as you can yeah. go as fast as you can during that time. And I love that you said like, don't give up on uh, look like being you, whatever that was, because that's the through line that I see Becca. When I listen to you, it's that you were constantly in pursuit and in search of what is my purpose? Like, what is that higher purpose that, that, that I was here for that makes me come alive, that gives me energy, uh, that gets me out of bed in the morning. Mm -hmm. And some of our listeners right now are in a vocation where they know if they look in the mirror, and look at themselves in the eyes like they're not doing what they love they're not doing yeah. their their purpose and it's scary it takes courage to acknowledge that mm -hmm. and then it takes even greater courage just to take the step and that's the thing you don't need to know where it's going to take you mm -hmm. and that's what i love about your story yeah. you couldn't predict it but you need to have the courage to take the first step and i'm so thankful that you didn't just take the first step becca but you continued to go and you continued to persevere because wow what you are doing is so important it has been so easy to honor you as an innovator um thank you just for that the, the struggle that you kept going um I, I again i love what you're doing i am in your corner if you need anything thank you any way i can help get your message out there please let me know uh becca Thank you for letting me interview you. Thank you today. for having me. It was it was great. <laughs> I'm I'm very thankful and, and very blessed that that you had me on your platform today to help spread the need for what it is that I'm trying to that I'm trying to do. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening and be sure to follow so you never miss an episode. To learn more about what's going on in dentistry, check out innovationindentistry.com.